0: Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. Here's Pastor Willie Taylor.
1: That's glad for Jesus.
0: He's the
1: one. That's for sure. He's the one. God is so good. I'm so glad that we we have a a body that understands and and uh Long-suffering and things of that, that nature. Uh, cover for each other, all that kind of stuff. That's, that's very, very uh, encouraging. Today is going to be the second and last message that I wanted to do on politics of the kingdom. And I know you might say, well, <clears throat> you already taught on that, you know, the first of the month. Why are we teaching on that again? Um, well, you ask God, because this is what He's led me to do, is to continue with that for one more message. Now, even though I titled the message, "Making Progress in Walking with God," I'm going to talk about politics of the kingdom. To review. What I talked about last time, one thing is I gave a few things uh, that God says that biblically, what he says in the Bible, is that uh, we need to be followers of Christ. That's what we really need to be doing, followers of Christ. And we need need others to follow Christ, so we need to lead others to follow Christ. So that's very important. We should be ambassadors of Jesus Christ. That's what we should be, ambassadors of Jesus Christ. All of us, every last one of us should be ambassadors, whether you're in college, whether you're in high school, junior high, elementary school, whether you're a homemaker. Uh, Wherever we go, we need to be uh, a walking epistle, as well as we need to be ready, If the Holy Spirit leads us to uh, say something to someone, uh, what you may say was just, how are you doing? Sometimes just how are you doing can start a conversation uh, with someone, depending on what God is, is doing with that person. Wouldn't it be nice for you to say, how are you doing? And they say, not too well. Would you pray for me? Wouldn't that be nice? But, of course, Uh, most people don't ask you to do that. Uh, Most people say, fine. You you, you sure you're doing fine? Oh, yeah, I'm doing fine. And they might just finish crying. But still, most people don't want to reveal their emotions to other people. But you need to be ready and prepared to do that. Uh, I was reading my emails, and, and someone had asked someone else, um, I don't think I'm going to vote. And oh my goodness gracious, what did they want to say that for uh, to, to this person who they said it to? Oh my goodness gracious, that was a wrong statement to make. And that's what we're going to talk about uh, this morning a little bit. Let's look at Micah chapter six, verse eight. Let's go there as a review review. That was one of the scriptures that I used on the first of the month, and this is a great memorization scripture, great, memor- great memorization scripture. God says, "He has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice, justice, and it means justly." To love kindness, another verse said, love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. That's what God wants us to do. He wants us to be just. Just. He wants us to love mercy and to walk humbly with him. That's what he wants. And that's a scripture memorization that I, I have, I, I love Michael uh, because it, it puts it right down bottom line. What does God expect of me? Me, Willie Taylor, what does He expect? He expects for me to be just. He expects for me to uh, keep justice. He, he expects for me to treat people right. He, he expects me to be kind to people, to have, have mercy on people because all of us need mercy. Every last one of us needs mercy. And he, most of all, expects for me to walk humbly, humbly with him. That's what he expects. Walk humbly with me. And so, uh, humility to me is humbling myself under his word. Humble humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. That's what the word of God says. And so, humility, true humility, humility is humbling ourselves, humbling ourselves under the word of God, humbling ourselves. In other words, humility is being under. And so we don't want to have a show of humility, false humility, walking around, you know, with our head down and acting like we are humble. No, uh, because we can, we can act humble towards people, and still not be humble when we get home. I want to humble myself under God's mighty hand, under his His word, under what he has said. That goes whether I'm at home, whether I'm at the supermarket, regardless of where I am, I should be able to humble myself. And that's what um, I like to do is let's walk the walk. Let's don't just talk to talk and say, well, you know, I'm a Christian. And and my my sometime I guess what we do. If you look at a person's license plates and it says, you know, uh, what does mine say? My mine definitely will tell you that 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 I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a Christian. I think mine say His Grace. Thank you. Uh, and if people see that, and here I am, speeding up down the road, and it's 25 miles an hour zone, I'm going, you know, 45, 50, trying to get to somewhere on time. That's not very good. Not very good at all. And it's not very good either having a email address like I have, Pastor Willie comcast.net and people know what your email address is and they say hmm i wonder where in the world he passes that yeah uh because uh that happened to me and i'm I'm just trying to explain to you that that we have to be living epistles we have to walk the talk let's don't just be a a do a, a walk just a a hearer of the word, and a talker of the word, want to be a doer of the word, uh, I had a situation that happened uh, last year. Uh, many of you know that I was in, in, in the hospital about, I was in there four times, as a matter of fact, uh, with pneumonia three times. And what happened was that during that time, my insurance come and sent me, their little statement, annual statement, and it says, "If you don't respond, then we're going to uh just uh automatically put you in this one and I didn't read it until January because I was in the hospital in December, and I didn't, I, I didn't know it. I had my my desk piled up with stuff, and as soon as I cleared my desk off and read it, I was, "Oh my goodness, let me call them." So I called them, and they said, uh I'm sorry." The election time is gone, and so you have to live with what you have. I said, "Isn't there some avenue I can go to that will show mercy on me?" And because uh, it doubled my insurance company, it doubled my, my policy. So um, they said, "Well, yes, we'll put you in contact with a person." And a person called me that day, and I told him my situation, my soft story, and they said, "Oh uh, no, I'm sorry." Uh, you have to accept it just the way it is. And I said, "Well, I tell you what. <clears throat> Next year, you better believe I will not." And, and anybody I talk to, I'm gonna tell them this company is. And you know, I'm gonna pass. I tell them this company is worse than the th- worse than any company I know of. You don't even have mercy on people. Huh? You know, can't you have mercy? They said, "Oh, sir, I'm sorry. You know, that's the policy. I'm sorry." Yeah. And everybody I talked to in the company, I said the same thing. And then <laughs> I was preparing for the message, and God spoke to me through His Holy Spirit. He said, "That's not a good representation." your attitude. I said, oh, no. And I thought that what they might do was not allow me to get in another policy because I, I had, you know, life and death is in the power of the tongue. I've probably killed myself. <laughs> my, my chances of, of going back to this company, so I, I I asked for forgiveness. I asked God's forgiveness, first of all. Then I called my I said, uh, look, I want I to tell you, I've talked to many of the people in the company, and I have, I have acted foolishly. I said, and they don't know me now, because you get a different, different person every time you call some uh, uh, They said, well, uh, that's fine, sir, you know. Uh, no, no problem, you don't have to apologize. I said, no, I need to apologize because and ask you to forgive me because I've acted foolishly. I have not been kind uh, to the different agents I've talked to. So uh, I won't do that again. Please forgive me. They said, okay, we we'll forgive you, no problem, but uh, we don't know who you are anyway, you know. <laughs> so I said, okay. But I'm telling you that it's important that your problem, never done anything like that, but I'm telling you, we have to walk the talk. We can't say one thing and then do another. Say, I'm a Christian, but then you don't uphold Christian principles. You don't, don't, don't uphold the Bible. You know, so that leads into what God says to me about the election because I had to ask God to forgive me. Because I hadn't done that either, forgive me for not being a good steward of the kingdom of God. Forgive me, Lord, because I have I I, I have been not good in saying things which I told you last time. But the thing this time is that uh, as I was listening to things. I said, well, you mean to tell me this Senate, the senators who had to listen to and uh, kind of judge, I guess, to see what, whether they want to uh, let Amy Barrett go into the Supreme Court, there were uh, senators on different beliefs. In the room, and I said, "Well, that's not very Christian to say those things, to say things like that, and and things." And God said, "Well, you you didn't even vote for him, so why are you complaining?" And I'm thinking, "That's right. I only I only vote for the the presidential election. That's all I've, I've ever voted for." And and I learned that the senators and in, in, in the House and all like that, the Congress, they are usually not on the same time you have. You, in other words, you need to vote locally. You need to vote, uh, you know, for your statewise and national. And I found out that you are missing it because what you are doing is you are Allowing people to get in these positions and not voting yourself, and which causes then policies to be enacted uh, that you don't even know about, you don't have anything to do with, it. you might not like them, but you did nothing about it. You you were a poor steward. And I said, Man, God. Now God knows how to how to chase in stone, doesn't he? In love. In love but i thought i was doing something when i just vote for the presidential every four years i thought i was doing something and and listen to that I said who put this who put the congress in, in, in and you know thought who put them up and you because you didn't even vote that's my goodness gracious so i want to show you um a video I have two videos. I'm going to show one now and one later. But this is something that can be said a little bit better than what I can say. And then I come back and we'll we'll
0: talk. Election Day is upon us. And for voters of faith, there's some things worth remembering. The first comes from Proverbs 1434, which reminds us that righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. This verse affirms what is also proven by history. It is not economics that exalts a nation. It's that position. In fact, recall Matthew 6. The disciples were worried about economic things, about where to get their clothing and shelter and food. And Jesus told them, cool it. He said, watch the lilies of the field and the birds of the air. And notice how well God provides for them. He then told his disciples that if they would seek righteousness first, then all the other stuff would be added to them. Economic prosperity is actually a fruit of righteousness. So ironically, when folks seek economics and prosperity first, they usually lose not only economic prosperity, but also national righteousness. But when they seek righteousness first, they nearly always get righteousness and economic prosperity. We're to seek righteousness first. And dozens of Bible passages affirm that a nation's righteousness is determined by its public policies, by how well those policies conform to God's standards. We love to sing, God bless America. But if we really want God to bless America, we've got to give Him something to work with. So how do we get public policies in place that God can bless? Proverbs 29, 2 answers that question, telling us, When the righteous rule, the people rejoice. When the wicked rule, the people groan. The only way to have righteous public policies is to elect the righteous to office. The righteous aren't going to make bad policies, and the wicked aren't going to make good ones. And the righteous won't get into office unless we vote for them. For in America, neither the righteous nor the wicked rule without our approval. We're the ones who choose them, whether good or bad. This principle was well articulated over a century ago by James A. Garfield, our 20th president. By the way, President Garfield was also a minister of the gospel in the Second Great Awakening. Well, in 1876, Garfield correctly noted, Now, more than ever before, the people are responsible for the character of their Congress. If that body be ignorant, reckless, and corrupt, it's because the people tolerate ignorance, recklessness, and corruption. If it be intelligent, brave, and pure, it's because the people demand these high qualities to represent them in the national legislature. He's right. And from this truth comes the reality that values expressed in Congress in any given session are never really a good reflection of the values of the nation. Rather, they're only a good reflection of the values of those who voted in the last election. This is why Congress often seems so out of step with the rest of the country. Any given Congress will reflect the values of those who voted in the last election, not necessarily that of the whole country. Returning to President Garfield and looking ahead to where we are right now in this generation, he forewarned us, if the next centennial, which is where we are right now, if the next centennial does not find us a great nation, It will be because those who represent the enterprise, the culture, and the morality of the nation do not aid in controlling the political forces. Nobody better represents the enterprise, the culture, and the morality of America than does the church. And we're the ones who have to aid in controlling the political forces. Gratefully, millions of citizens have been praying for this election, and that's invaluable. But there's also much more that we need to do. As Founding Father John Hancock reminded us two centuries ago, I urge you, by all that is dear, by all that is honorable, by all that is sacred, not only that you pray, but also that you act. Indeed, we've prayed for this election and will continue to pray, but we must also act. We must make sure that at the very least we vote. And by the way, for Christians, voting is not a right. It's a duty. It's a stewardship that we owe to God. And it's a stewardship for which we'll answer directly to him. One day we'll stand before him and he'll say, what did you do with that vote I gave you? And we'll have to answer. God's people must adopt the political position set forth a century and a half ago by the Reverend Frederick Douglass, the famous African-American who was a civil rights leader before, during, and after the Civil War. Douglass explained to voters in his day, I have one great political idea. The best expression of it I have found in the Bible. It is righteousness exalted the nation. Sin is a reproach to any people. This constitutes my politics, the negative and positive of my politics, and the whole of my politics. We must adopt the very same position. Righteousness must be the issue. It must be the measurement to define what we're for politically and what we're against. And each of us will answer to God not only for whether we voted, but also for how we voted. For what issues drove our vote? If we stand before God and he says, why did you vote for a leader who's attempting to redefine my institution of marriage and who kills the unborn children that I knew before they were in the womb? If he asks us that, and our answer is, because that leader was good on jobs and the economy, he's not going to accept that. We will answer to God for our vote and our involvement, but there are others to whom we'll also answer. As correctly pointed out by the Reverend Matthias Burnett back in 1803, to God and posterity you're accountable for your rights and your rulers. Let not your children have reason to curse you for giving up those rights and prostrating those institutions which your fathers delivered to you. Wow! But we are the stewards of the nation and we will answer to God and to our children for what happens on our watch. We as God's people are the ones who will decide whether or not this nation will continue to be blessed. As the Reverend Charles Finney, a leader in America's Second Great Awakening, reminded the Christians in his day, the church must take right ground in regard to politics. Christians have been exceedingly guilty in this matter, but the time has come when they must act differently. God cannot sustain this free and blessed country, which we love and pray for, unless the church will take right ground. God will bless or curse this nation according to the course Christians take in politics. Indeed. Let's say let's give God the chance to bless America this year by taking right ground in regard to politics. And then let's continue to take right ground year after year, election after election. It's time to understand that an election is not an event. It's not just a short-term point in time. Rather, an election is is an ongoing step in a lifelong process. And we must be involved in that process for the duration. We've been commanded by the Lord in Luke 19:13 to occupy until He comes, no matter how long it takes. Let's make sure that we do just that so that when the Lord comes and when He examines our stewardship of the civic realm, He can say to us, Well done, good and faithful servant. So, as we close in on the election, let's continue to pray for this election. And by the way... An excellent voting prayer for this election is found in Isaiah 5:26, which declares that God whistles for those at the end of the earth. And here they come, swiftly and speedily. So let's pray in this election that God will whistle, that His people will hear, that they will come running to the polls, and that when they get to the polls, they'll remember to vote righteousness first. So we'll continue to pray, just as the Lord directed us in 1 Timothy 2. But let's also make sure that we do much more. Let's make sure that we vote, that we educate others around us as to where Canada stand on issues of righteousness and that we take as many as we can to the polls with us. And by the way, if you're not sure where Canada stand on issues of righteousness, go to www.JudeoChristianVoterGuide.com where you can get a voter's guide for the races in your state. Happy election and God bless.
1: I was asking God, <clears throat> I said, well, God, are there others like me uh, who, no matter what someone says, we're going to do what we want to do anyway? And I said, well, that's not good. And as I was listening to different uh, things, on the internet, about the election and things like that. One thing came up is that almost half the Christians in the United States do not vote. That's a lot of Christians. So, some elections are won, are lost by a small number of votes. And if only half the Christians vote, then that means that if all the Christians voted, it could mean a difference in who's elected for, the, for locally, state-wise, as well as nationally. And and so, again, I said, God, forgive me, because um, people told me about voting and I read things I just didn't want to. I just didn't want to. So um, now I have asked for forgiveness. And now I'm trying to find out the different um, things that's going to be on the ballot, even for this coming. I don't know whether anything is up in Lynchburg that we need to vote for, the city council or anybody. Is, is there anything going on? Because that's important. That's important. Uh and I know that I think the Senate has been uh, a person in Virginia is, is running for Senate and, and the House representative, but but I don't know. I said, I need to find these things out because let's say the, the, i think I think now the Governor of California or something like they, they told the churches that they they couldn't meet. Now, can you imagine not meeting in church? But casinos are open. Bars are open. But yet, the government might say, well, you can't meet because uh, there'd be too many people. Well, just limit me how many people can meet and we'll do that. Or to tell you, you can't sing. Now, can you imagine somebody telling us we cannot sing in church because we might spread... Virus or something. Just say, We're, wear a mask. You know, uh, so who we elect is very important in, a, in, in, in locally as well as the state, statewide, because our, our governor was elected by us. I didn't vote for him, but he was still elected by me because I didn't vote. So uh, my vote, that could have counted, didn't count. And so there's no need to complain about anything if you refuse to vote. And then when I heard, like he gave on, on, on the thing, that, that you're not even a good steward of what God has given you. And immediately comes to my mind that stewardship, oh, I remember in in, 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 uh, in scripture where God had given uh, this person talent, this person five, this person two. He, he's giving people talents, and two use theirs, multiplied it and actually doubled it, and and here this one took what was given to him, the money was given him. And buried it. And hid it. So he'll have exactly. What he was given. And wouldn't have lost anything. And I know what God said about him. And mean you know. The the, the owner. Of the talents who gave it. Which was representing. A, ta- a parable about God. That you lazy. Servant. Now I don't want to be called a lazy servant by God on that day. I don't want to be called a lazy servant. I want to say, well done, good and faithful servant. But if I'm not a good steward of a vote, now if somebody tells tell say, hey, look, you can't vote because you're black. Blacks can't vote. We're not allowing blacks to vote. I would be raised and say, I'll be, what you, you know, I don't care what my license plate says. I'll be raised and saying, but, but do you know that we can, all of us can, but not to? So I ask God, God, I've already taught on this. Why do you want me to teach again on this? They get the picture and they're not going to do it anyway if they don't want to. A lot of people do things of habit, like I did. So he said, just do what I asked you to do. Lead the results to me. So it's okay. So I'm sharing this because I don't want you to be like me. I don't want no excuses that you would have because... If I'm concerned not to vote. I don't want that. I don't want, want that to be because I'm concerned about the word of God. I'm concerned that if we if we get in a habit of not obeying the word of God, or choosing what we want to obey and what we don't want to obey, obey, that's not good. Whether it's prayer, because uh, Sam and I visited a church. Uh, it's, it was down south. Was about, I think about 3,000 people in the, in, the, in, the, in the church. And uh, they, they said they had about a 100 people in prayer. Uh, when they called for prayer, I went to 100 people. Man, we haven't seen no 100 people in prayer in Lynchburg and Cornerstone. And But then I said, well, what percentage is that of the people that's, that's in that church? Now, 100 people in prayer and 3,000 people in in the church, we had more people percentage-wise in our prayer room because we were smaller, but we had a greater percentage. People don't want to pray. I'm serious. I don't want to pray, but I have to pray. Because God says so in his word. And so he wants men everywhere to lift holy hands. He, he wants us to pray for our leaders. He, that, that's he wants us to pray. He does. And if he wants us to pray just because it's not easy to do, you know, uh, then that's not good. And I'm not blaming anybody because because I'm telling you uh nobody likes to pray hardly, and a person said, "I don't have the gift of prayer. oh, come on, do you have the gift to eat?" You know, come on, you know, come on, so you know we 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 can make excuses, but I'm trying to I'm trying to talk to you as I would talk to my children because I want my children to grow up being obedient to the word of God, not just listening to it, not just reading it or hearing it on on, on their iPad or whatever. I want them to walk it out. And if I just let them slide and say, well, I'm not going to teach because I'm I might hurt their feelings. They, they, don't, they might not want to talk to me. They might get upset with me if I keep um, mentioning, well, why don't you pray about this? Why don't you do this? If you love your children, you're going to try to teach them things that's going to help them avoid problems with God. Because when I have a problem, it affects my children. When you have a problem, it affects your children. Believe me, I know because that's what one of my girls told me, said, Dad, if you don't take care of yourself, every time you get sick and go to the hospital, it affects us. We got to visit you. We got to make sure we sit with you, alternate each of us going and sitting with you so the nurses won't, won't, uh, so they'll they'll do what they're supposed to, because some of them don't. Uh, Not all of them, but some of them don't. And they say it affects us. So you need to uh, do what you're supposed to and keep yourself healthy. I don't want to keep visiting you in the hospital. And, and, and you know that that's right. What I don't do affects them. What I do do affects them. Whether it's good or bad. And it's the same with you. So I want to, I want to encourage you As I'm encouraging myself, let's vote. Let's vote. Uh, James chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. It says, Submit, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. And purify your hearts, you double-minded. Now, that scripture I wanted to use uh, for one thing is that I want my heart pure. So I want to get the things out of my heart that the things that have been there for years that does not need to be there because God gives me the Holy Spirit. He's inside of me, and he's the one who, he's a sanctifier. I need stuff out of my heart. I need to be pure. And sometimes our motives are not pure, church. And I want us as a body to work on purification our hearts by yielding to the Holy Spirit's sanctification. So whatever He's trying to to uh, encourage us to do, let's yield. Let's don't be stiff-necked, as the Bible says. Let let let's let's be uh, pliable. Let let's just yield and let Him do what only He can do. I can't purify my heart, but He can. I can. I can. Yield to him, and I can ask him to do it, but that's, that's some of the things that, that I deal with because I'm trying to, to the best of my ability, get stuff out of my life so that I will be able to uh, do better at this area than I did last year or this other area that I did uh, last month. I want to improve. So I'm determined I'm going to improve when it comes to uh, my civic responsibility, my state responsibility, my national responsibility of finding out who's running, what is the, uh, what's the platform of different people, what, what, what's going on. And by all means, I want to do what God says regardless of how I feel, regardless of what I've been doing during the years, I could say, I've never voted for our local election. Who cares who's on city council? They don't do anything anyway. No, no, no. That's the wrong attitude. Get your attitude right, Willita. You They're they, they doing a good work. So you need to uh, know what's going on locally here in Lynchburg. You need to know what's going on in the state of Virginia. You need to know what's going on in the nation. And and you need to do what you can do to represent God. Now, that is in itself a purification process because we don't like certain personalities and we don't uh, like certain things or whatever the situation may be. But we're not supposed to be voting on personalities. We're not supposed to be uh, voting on uh, just Whatever I used to do, I still do. I used to do that. I'm still, I still do the same thing, you know. Why do you do the same thing? I don't know. I've always done it that way. No, that's not, a, that's not like a child of the kingdom. The child of the kingdom is supposed to find out what and who is going to uphold the kingdom of God more than any other I don't care whether it's the Libertarian Party. I don't care whether it's the Green Party. I don't care whether it's the repub- Republican Party. I don't care whether it's the, uh, the Democratic Party. I don't care what part it is. I say, what, is the, what are you trying to uh, do in your policies? What are you trying to get us to do? If, if I vote for you, then what are you doing? Are you doing what God wants you to do? I, I always voted this way. But I got to look at this thing a little bit different because God is holding me on account because I want him to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Uh, all authority is for me, he says. If all authority is from me, then I need to vote uh, for people who are going to uphold God's authority. So I have to be thinking about these things when I go to the poll. I'll show the last video for a minute. Now.
0: We look at our country, and polling shows that more than three-fourths of the nation thinks that we're headed in the wrong direction. The approval numbers for all three branches of government have plummeted. We need to see some significant changes. I think we're probably all familiar with Second Chronicles 7.14. This is the well-known passage in which God promises that if we, who are called by His name, will humble ourselves and pray and seek His face and turn from our wicked ways, that He will hear from heaven and heal our land. Certainly, America's health and healing starts with prayer. Earlier generations definitely understood this. In fact, by 1815, there had been over 1,400 government-issued calls to prayer in America. In fact, John Hancock himself personally issued 22 prayer proclamations, such as this one. But John Hancock understood that prayer by itself wasn't enough, that we couldn't just stop with prayer. As he had citizens in his day, I urge you, by all that is dear, by all that is honorable, by all that is sacred, not only that you pray, but that you act. We must seek God and appeal to Him for help, but then we must also do everything we can to make a difference. Remember Second Chronicles 7.14? We're to pray. But it also says that we're to turn from our wicked ways, and that includes our inactivity and non-involvement. Our sitting on the sidelines, particularly with regard to what goes on in our government. This is part of the wicked ways from which American Christians in particular must turn. We have to pray and rely on God, but we also have to take action. This is what made America free in the first place. When the American Revolution began, we had no major assets of our own. We'd been British colonies our entire existence, and now we're going to take on the greatest military power in the world with only our fledgling resources? Britain had a formidable navy. They ruled the seas. So what are we supposed to do with that? Well, we could build our own navy... But in the early years, we didn't even have a national government, and so there's no way to fund a Navy. But fortunately, in 1775, still almost a year before the Declaration of Independence, George Washington stepped up as an individual and personally commissioned six cruisers. Of course, those six ships from George Washington weren't much compared to the scores of ships in Britain's Navy, but that's what we had. And back then, all the ships in the nation's navy flew their flag openly and visibly so that their fellow ships could avoid the friendly fire and not sink the wrong ships. So the British had their flag, but not the Americans. We're brand new. We don't even have a national flag yet. So how are we going to recognize our fellow ships? No problem. We'll create our first flag. And according to official records, it was a flag with a white background, a pine tree in the middle, and it included the motto, Appeal to Heaven. This was our first flag, and it flew on our navy. A year later, after the declaration was signed, the state of Massachusetts built its own state navy, and this was also adopted as the official flag for their navy. And then the Massachusetts Army adopted a flag for its ground forces, and they had a similar motto, an appeal to God. As these official mottos and declarations and flags indicate, we openly relied on God. But we didn't stop there. That was just the first step. As John Hancock had urged, we prayed and we acted. This same combination of prayer and action remained a no-brainer for American Christians for generations afterwards. In fact, a century and a half after the revolution, Teddy Roosevelt penned this book, Fear God and Take Your Own Part. As Teddy explained, but in addition to fearing God, it is necessary that we should be able and ready to take our own part. The man who cannot take his own part is a nuisance in the community, a source of weakness, an encouragement to wrongdoers, and an added burden to the men who wish to do what is right. If he cannot take his own part, then somebody else has to take it for him. There is no reason that God-fearing Christians should be a burden to anyone else, especially to the nation in general. We need to step up and carry our weight. As God-fearing people, we have a voice, and we also have overwhelming numbers. But if we continue to remain silent and uninvolved, we'll have no one to blame for the godless outcome but ourselves. We need to recruit good people to run for office or even run for office ourselves. We need to speak out about what's going on around us. But we absolutely, definitely, unequivocally must vote. That's not optional. Voting is not a right. It's a duty. And we will answer to God for what we do or what we don't do with our vote. So we do have to appeal to God but we also have to take action. And now is the time that we must get involved.
1: I'm, I'm really excited about the change that the Holy Spirit is making in my life in this area, the civic area, because it means a difference. Uh, to you. It means a different to my children, to my wife, uh, because a lot of times they follow my lead. And if I don't vote, then I'm showing my children that it really doesn't matter. And I'm so glad that the Holy Spirit is has been patient with me, and as he has been with all of us, and will continue to be, because he's long-suffering. Uh, so, but but we have to make progress. we have to make progress, and that's what I want. This is the first time in 23 years that I have uh, talked message uh, like this twice. the first time, and those who have been here know that's true because I always uh, felt good about not being political, you know. Uh, which was not good either. Uh, but I, I felt good about it because I said, well, uh, I'm going to teach the word. I'm not, I don't care about no politics. You know, uh, let, let the politicians do that. I'm going to teach the word of God. That's what, that's what they come for, the word of God. They didn't come to hear nothing about voting and stuff like that. So I would mention each time, hey, make sure you all vote, uh, especially in the national elections now. Uh, make sure you all vote because uh, we need to vote. That's all I would say. And that was pitiful. It really was. And, and I, I want to thank those who have been here uh, all those years for being long-suffering with me. Because uh, I thought, I said, well, I don't want to say anything because the government might you know, uh, want to get on, on us because we're talking about politics. Well, <clears throat> you can talk about what the government does allow. Uh, I've never uh, told y'all uh, you should vote for this person. You should vote for this, Don't vote for that. No, nothing like that. That's, that's not that's not my that's not my, my responsibility. Not my uh, thing. I don't do that. But to encourage us to find out who to vote for, to find out uh, where your voting station is, uh, to find out who's running and what the issues are, that's my responsibility. And I want to ask you to forgive me for neglecting it all these years. Uh, but, but by the grace of God, it won't be anymore. I'm going to do what's, what's right because I want to make progress in sanctification. I, want, I, I don't want to be the same. In any area, I don't want to be the same. So uh, I hope you take the same stance. You don't want to be the same.